0: Yo, Whoa. yo, Yo, huh. Aubrey Abels, Tony Shivani. we bout the party, we bout to party, unrestricted. This is AEW Unrestricted. We are the official podcast of all elite wrestling. Tony Schiavone, along with Aubrey Edwards, joined by CM Punk. Hey, buddy. Hey, what's happening? How you doing, man? I'm great. I think you just asked me that
1: prior to, to us hitting the record button, and I was just saying how I, I just read the the press release about uh, the Owen Hart news, and uh, I'm I'm like uh,
0: I'm overwhelmed. I'm like emotional about it. It's. Uh, Oh God, it's crazy! It's like I I get it, and just I'm I'm just. It's a very short one. I'm gonna, if you don't mind, I don't want you get emo getting more emotional than you are. But it tell me stories. Tell me a story, Tony. (laughs) Story. Long time ago, back in the mountains of Virginia, this redneck kid. No, that's that's another story. (laughs) 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 Who loved mid Atlantic championship wrestling? Anyway. All Elite Wrestling and the Owen Hart Foundation, a nonprofit charity which provides a vast range of assistance and opportunities to individuals in need across the world are collaborating to honor the legacy of the late wrestler Owen Hart, a beloved figure in the pro wrestling community and beyond. This collaboration includes launching the annual Owen Hart Cup tournament within AEW, which will see the winner receive a cup known as the Owen, as well as the the production and distribution of unique and original Owen Hart merchandise including specified retail goods, as well as the upcoming AEW console video game. And that's why uh, CM Punk and all of us are kind of emotional right now. Mm-hmm. If I can read between the lines here, I, I think it's because of what AEW thinks of the world of pro wrestling, not only Owen heart, but it, it kind of brings us all back down to earth. Am, am I saying that right?
1: I think so yeah I mean deny us now like the company <laughs> that got CM Punk to right. to come back after seven years and now thank you Martha Oge and Athena I think is is that his daughter's name I, I know Oge
0: Athena I think is right I'm for some reason that, that resonates with me I'm not sure
1: if I'm wrong I I will correct myself at a later date and I apologize but uh, I just think it's huge news for wrestling fans <laughs> It's crazy. It
0: is crazy. So obviously the biggest news we have had is CM Punk's return to wrestling that you touched on. When did you seriously start thinking about returning? Oh, God. At
1: some point when I was uh, free and clear of all the Fugazi lawsuits that, uh, <laughs> that, that people filed against me, yeah, I think that there's a point where – That stops and I'm free and clear and I'm like, sweet. And I think the healing can begin. And then it kind of coincided with um, the rise of AEW and stuff like that. So it's at that point it was probably a a matter of time. But I I don't know if there was like one like aha moment that made me go, yeah, that's the place. Uh, But I've already said like the Brody tribute show and the way the Brody stuff was handled was just so classy and not what I'm used to. Yeah. So it made me, it made me raise an eyebrow and go, "Hmm, interesting.
2: You had mentioned in previous interviews that multiple people have heard it every six months, a guy comes in with money saying, Hey, I'm starting a wrestling company. We've got TV, blah, 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 blah. blah," And everyone's kind of skeptical of it. I think a lot of people kind of saw the same thing happening, early on, especially those who had maybe been burned by it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Had you been watching AEW since the beginning? or Was there sort of a like, oh, this could be a thing. I'm hearing things.
1: I mean, I would miss shows here and there because I, I wouldn't, you know, I'd be busy doing other stuff, but I recorded it on the DVR. And if I was home on a Wednesday, I would watch it. And then definitely, you know, social media really kind of help helps you keep informed with the goings on of things. So I would, I would for sure keep up with it that way. You know, I watch it religiously now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I've been involved in many things, as you know, I never have been involved in a sellout of an arena in record time based on a rumor. (laughs) That's what we got at the United Center for, for Rampage. And I remember we were in Charlotte, Tony Khan said to me, he said, I want you to go out and I want you to announce the first dance coming to chicago for rampage i said just me he said yeah just you stand on the stage and do it and i remember thinking hmm i'm gonna announce chicago in charlotte i just wonder how it's gonna be received hmm. but i announced it and then the pop came and then the chant of cm punk came and i'm thinking oh boy it's gonna be fucking big mm-hmm. and it was talk about your reaction to the pop when you walked out I knew we were on the right track,
1: you know, like the, it was designed to be the worst kept secret. You know what I mean? Because sure. in a business where everybody likes to surprise, but also knowing that a lot of the times secrets can't be kept going back to the Brody thing, secrets were kept, mm-hmm. but also knowing that this is a business and we do need to get some revenue going here. So thought process is, no, well, we need to announce it because we need to sell tickets. You'd be stupid to not announce it. Right. I feel like we got the best of both worlds. I feel like it was maybe leaked or somebody found out, but there was still a giant question mark or a cloud of mystery over it because it was, oh, no, there's talks. He signed, but maybe he did. You know, like like I I read a report that I had signed. I never signed my contract until I was in the United Center, like maybe... 90 or 30 minutes before i walked out the experts are always wrong yes they are but it was i was in it's either south or north carolina i can't remember and i was in a hotel and i was just laying on the bed with with larry and, and my wife and i was watching the show and i literally stood up i got sweaty and i got cold and hot at the same time and i was like oh, all right we 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 have to do this now you know what i mean like <laughs> Props to Tony Khan, because I don't know anybody else who would do handshake deals like that. You know, I wasn't signed and he went out there and had you announce United Center. If I was one of those carny fuckers, I would have called up the other con like that night. and been like, hey, brother, you know, yeah. can you give me to not go? You know, like, but that was never Tony trusted me to not be that guy. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not that guy, you know. I think that's a beautiful part of the relationship, but man, I got hot flashes, cold sweats, pits are sweating. I was like ready to go to bed and I was like, I got to go work out. Like I got to go do something (laughs) with this energy. Like I, I'm I'm, like freaking out, you know, that was my night. Like during that, that announcement. And then I thought the little Darby promo afterwards, I was like, man, he really hit it out of the park. He did real good with that. So it was fun to be able to like sit in a hotel room and watch the television show And watch it all happen. I was like, it was exciting.
2: United Center, everything's quiet. We see the lights. People are chanting. And then Cult of Personality hits. Mm -hmm. And I had a running bet with my husband, whether it was going to be Cult of Personality or Kill Switch Engage.
1: Oh, wow. Did you lose or did you win?
2: I lost. I was hoping there was going to be maybe a callback. Like, no one lost. Let's just be real here. (laughs) Everyone is very happy it's Cult of Personality. But I'm curious, like... Why, why the choice of Cult of Personality and how did it feel hearing that music
1: again? I have been fortunate enough to be friends with a lot of great bands, a lot of talented artists, and to use a lot of those songs for entrance music. Cult of Personality, I think, transcends everything. And I'm proud of this. I, the, the name CM Punk is forever tied to the band Living Color and Cult of Personality, it's just been a common thread throughout my entire life. Like the whole reason I use that song in ring of honor is because I just, I love that song. I thought it was great entrance music and for the character and everything. I mean, that was the song my little league team would, would play like after we won games in 1989, you know? So like it's, it's, it's been with me for a while. I know all those guys. I was just with them at riot fest. Riot fest sucks, by the way. (laughs) There's going to be some litigation now that I was on the the grounds during the festival, but I'll handle that now. I got Tony Khan lawyers now, so we're fine. Oh yeah, you're set. I, I just think that songs that song's too big to not use. I mean, respect to Killswitch Engage too. Like I dumb lucked into that song when I was in the WWE too. Like I've been fortunate in that
0: regard. We've had many fan questions that we usually get to at the end, but we're going to touch on a couple now because we want to talk about your first match back. Against Darby at all out uh-huh. Corey Adams so what was your preparation if any for the match for being all out in the ring for so long you either get back in the ring shape or knock some of the rust off and if so who helped you knock that rust off if anybody So getting in a ring and taking
1: bumps doesn't sound like the greatest idea when you got a bump card I mean it's it's damn near three quarters of the way filled up already, so absolutely. But I don't think there's anything quite like in-ring cardio. You know, guys who are in ring shape are, are in great cardiovascular shape. Luckily for me, I also dabble in some mixed martial arts. And if there's anything that is on par with being in ring shape to be a pro wrestler, it's doing MMA. I mean, even just hitting pads, sparring. Jiu-jitsu, all that stuff. I mean, it's all very, very similar. Your heart rate is peaked for an extended amount of time. So I just did a whole bunch of that. And and it works. You know what I mean? If you can can breathe while somebody's, uh, you know, like a 300-pound man is on top of you trying to choke you, you can breathe running the ropes. You should be okay. What did you think about the match after it was done? I haven't watched it. Hmm. I, I might be the guy that doesn't ever watch his stuff anymore. I know I used to. I used to be that guy that watches stuff. If I watch that match back with Darby, I know I'm going to find things that I will pick at. I don't want to pick at myself. I was super stoked leaving that ring. I thought it couldn't have been any better. And I don't want to come up with like a tiny little, I don't want to go, oh, I look fat in my gear. Hmm. That part of me, I left with the CM Punk for me. From seven years ago, I'm just gonna really enjoy. Like I, I know when stuff sucks and I know when stuff's good, and that and that was good. I thought it couldn't have been any better. I thought it was great. First match back after seven years. Yeah, I wanted it to look like I didn't miss a beat because I have an ego, but I also needed it to look like this shit's hard. And I think I accomplished that because I think in the media scrum after that night, the one guy was like, "Oh, you got blown up." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it needs to appear that way, doesn't it? Like, it can't be easy. <laughs> I can't walk in here and just be like, this, this is too easy. You know,
0: like, it's a fight and it needs to look that way. Being blown up is all a part of being in a fight, right? Absolutely. Fatigue makes cowards of us all. Damn. Heard that somewhere. Wade Illustine's Monster, speaking of all that, once though, how awesome did it feel saying it's clobbering time? after all these years
1: (laughs) so awesome i think that's the it's such a silly part of my entrance (laughs) i used to do little stuff like that all the time for people who don't know obviously it's you know the thing from the fantastic four would say it's clobbering time before he got into a fight Mm -hmm. and there's a uh a a seminal new york hardcore band called sick of it all that has a song called it's clobbering time so really we're all just jack kirby stan lane fans stan lee fans not stan I'm a Stan Lane fan and a Stan Lee fan. Ooh, there you go. But, you know, Marvel comic fans, comic book nerds, love hardcore music. So it was like a marriage of two things that I love that has now become a marriage of three things I love. It's like comic books, New York hardcore, and pro wrestling.
2: One of the things I'm particularly excited about, as, as someone who hasn't been in the business for very long, is bringing in people who are veterans and considered some of the greatest and being able to learn from you know, their history and their mindsets and being able to grow and whatnot. And one of the things that you've said uh, is coming in and working with the younger talent. So obviously starting with Darby, but I think you had called out Will Hobbs back in February of this year as well. By the time we're filming this, it's before your match with Hobbs happens. But why why Hobbs next?
1: We'll peel back the curtain a little bit here, which it is what it is. I, I, I think I need to show a varied Kind of just different looks, right like I didn't dream in my wildest imagination I could be this big of a baby face, so to speak, right mm. like but it's pretty crazy, and I think we need to ride the wave, and I never liked baby baby matches. I always felt like somebody needs to be the heel a little bit, and I don't have any of that with Will Hobbs. I got a guy that is gonna knock my dick in the dirt, and I'm gonna get the cell yep I Just hope there's some kids in the back watching that go, oh, wow, it's cool to sell. (laughs) You know, because I just think I just think of Ricky Steamboat. Yeah. You know, one of the best sellers of all time. And just the way he it was an art and really trying to make some simplistic stuff and get the most out of very little. And I've been impressed with Will Hobbs, you know, the way he moves. And I think anybody who can see that he has potential, you know, how did the how about that table bump? sucked
2: <laughs> the table didn't break what the hell? Glad,
1: glad it didn't break because mm-hmm. I, I feel like that
0: made it look better but yeah it made it feel worse so. sure did just a little inside story my daughter who i know you met backstage and absolutely adores cm punk as soon as the table was back and we came back for commercial break she sent me a text during the show and i've told my kids please don't text me during the show she said is he okay that really looked bad i said Sweetie, I don't know. He's in the back. I don't know <laughs> right now, but it did look like it hurt.
1: It was stiff.
0: Yeah, it was stiff. Yeah. All right. We're talking with CM Punk. And coming up, we'll talk about uh, some of the other things going on as, with him as far as doing a little bit of commentary here in AEW.
2: This AEW Unrestricted. Aubrey and Tony here with the amazing and wonderful CM Punk talked a little bit about, you know, coming to AEW, working with younger talent. But one of the other things you've been doing a lot recently is commentary. And I'm curious, is that something that Tony's pitched to you? Is it something
1: that you've wanted to do? The commentary thing always started off as a joke. I remember doing commentary. It always seemed like I, when I was hurt too. I remember the first time I ever did commentary, I think it was for Ian Rotten's IWA. And I had fractured my skull but I still would go to shows because I was a loser, and I had nothing else to do and I remember just being there and Dave Prezak and me did commentary, and I think we wind up doing like a whole Deathmatch tournament commentary and it was you know it was fun, and I think we were we we were a really good team, I think we were like really good at it, so like that grew into when I was injured w in w e at one time like I would sit in and do commentary. I don't know. It's just something that kind of came natural to me. And everybody was always like, Wow, you're you're really good at this. Like, what the hell? We had an idea of me doing commentary on like um, you know, like one of Darby's matches, and we did that, but I was legit backstage going, I want to do the whole show. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to take nobody's job. I just think it's a cool way to get CM Punk on the show without doing the same things over and over. It's just a different look. Obviously, selfishly. I was like, I want to work with Tony and and Jr. and Excalibur, and and I I got to have a lot of fun, and we got to do a a cool little angle out of it, made it look different. I I think maybe Darby put somebody through the announce table, and that was already – that was a while ago. So we got to do something a little bit different, and doing commentary with those guys is a blast.
0: Well, it was very apparent to me as it was going on, and even afterwards, I remember thinking, we got to find a place for him at the table. (laughs) He's really, really damn good at what he does. It, it, it was great. It was great working with you. You knew how to put the product over. Obviously, you're a pro, but you, you knew all about the stories and everything. And it was good stuff, man. It was great working with you. Well, thank you. I hope we can do a lot more of it. We will. We will. We, we talked about your mentoring uh, the younger talent. Is there something that, uh, and, and you know as well as, as we all do, how great it is backstage, uh, the, the atmosphere and that we have. Uh, what's some of the things you'd you'd like to maybe instill in, in the younger talent, some of the things that you think important in their journey as being a pro wrestler?
1: So I, I think saying I'm here to 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 mentor and, and all that other stuff, I think that can be a slippery slope because I don't think there's a one right way to do most of anything. Through trial and error, I think I've found that just leading by example is possibly the best way to do stuff right i mean when i was a kid i would i would watch wrestling and i would be like whoa holy crap bret hart and Shawn michaels are great i want to do what they do so you kind of formulate the opinion in your head that like well those are guys that i want to emulate and i want to wrestle like them you know so you want to be like them a guy like eddie guerrero same thing and then you eventually wind up working with these guys And then you can pick their brains, but, but also it's just like, watch what they do, understand that there's a lot of hard work that goes into it. And then if you have the ability to ask them like, Hey, why do you do this? Or why don't you do this? I think that's the best way to do it. You know, I'm not there to watch the entire show. And when people are done, be like, Hey, you did this right. You did this wrong, but I'm, I am there to help. So if anybody wants to help, all I got to do is ask, you know, and I always try to preface it with, look, you can ask 10 people, you're going to get 10 different opinions. Mine is not correct. You know, just understand that. And this is why I do certain things. But also I think, you know, just me going in the ring and doing what I do, or just how I conduct myself backstage, doing commentary, like whatever it is, I think a lot of people can just watch that and be like, okay. It's not 100% the only right way to do something, but that is the right way to do it.
0: I get it. I, uh, leading by example is, is the best way to do it. The fact that you are backstage with all this talent, obviously they see you and they see how you handle yourself backstage and how you handle yourself in the ring. That is obviously, I agree 100%, the best way to do it. Just lead by example, which, you, which you've done.
2: Yeah. So I want to circle back to the beginning of this podcast a little bit. We talked about Owen Hart Foundation and AEW's work with it. What sort of influences do you pull? Because you had mentioned like work, watching Eddie Guerrero, watching Bret Hart, getting to talk to those guys. Is there any sort of influence you still pull today from those matches or any sort of match that sticks out to you?
1: Oh, for sure. I, I, I mean, it depends on what the situation is, but I, I think you can see fingerprints of a lot of different guys all over everything I do. Obviously, I'm known as... A talker right piper is a guy that i watched religiously and i don't think the majority of roddy piper's greatness is realized based on stuff he did i i think stuff he did in california and in like georgia or for jim crockett promotions like i think that stuff or in portland i think that stuff is like Light years better than like any of the stuff he did for WWF or any like that. But it's WWF stuff is so great too. But it's just like there's all kinds of hidden gems out there. I think Bret Hart is legit the best there is, best there was, the best there ever will be. His stuff holds up. I was a Shawn Michaels fan when I was a kid because he did flashy stuff and, you know, he was cocky, but some of his stuff doesn't hold up the way Brett's does. Brett's is timeless. You know, Brett is. It's corny. He's the excellence of execution and he called himself that. But at the time, it was a cool nickname to me. But now I look back and I realize, man, it's like everything he does is fundamentally sound. Like he didn't misstep in the ring once. Like everything he did, there was like a reason for it. And you watch his matches and you're just like, oh, that's kind of how I want to build my stuff and what I want to model myself after. And then the same same with a guy like Eddie Guerrero, just like fundamentally sound, but then could do like these amazing things. Like he his his understanding of lucha and how to incorporate that into American style and make it make sense and like blow your mind's like tremendous. I mean, I I've worked with a lot of great guys. I think I always mention, you know, like I got to work with Steamboat, I got to do stuff with Brett, Tracy Smothers, Chris Candido. I don't think I, I I raven is a guy i don't think i've i've ever really mentioned him and he needs the the credit for being really the first guy that i i worked with that would sit me down and literally be like okay you're the shits (laughs) and he was a little harsh at times you know and i would be like man all right i mean he he helped me get a grasp of having stuff make sense he helped me a lot when I was just like a dude doing matches, you know, and it was more about like, uh, this is going to be like a new Japan super juniors match. Cause they do cool moves. And he was a guy who
0: was like, just try to slow it down and have stuff make more sense. Okay. You, you mentioned Eddie Guerrero, obviously Brett Hart, Ricky Steamboat, some of the great in ring workers, but you know, as well as I do, and, and everybody knows who knows you that you have to be able to talk, to get over. I've always felt that you can be an in-ring worker, but you also got to be able to talk and to cut a promo and that you have cut some of the great promos ever. Obviously the pipe bomb one is one that everybody talks about. It is must see on YouTube. I've looked at it many, many times when that was going on. Did you realize how big that would be throughout the years in wrestling? No, I don't think so. And I always
1: tell this story too. When I was done with that, I remember walking back up the ramp mm-hmm. on the fly thinking, well, I can't go through the curtain because I just did this promo. If I go through the curtain, kayfabe wise, I'm, I'm fist fighting somebody. Yeah. So I went, I, I went like side stage, which was just a little, another little tiny thing that made people go, Hmm, this was weird. And when I got into the back, there was nobody anywhere backstage is normally just buzzing people in the hallways. It was empty. And I remember like looking around, like, geez, what's going on? And then I walked past the curtain through Gorilla, and everybody in the company was jammed into the tunnel, waiting to see me come through Gorilla because they figured the same thing. They were like, oh man, this is going to get real, you know? Mm -hmm. And the first person I see is Chef Robert Irvine (laughs) because he's there with Gail Kim and he just looks like he just got through like, Dorian Yates chest workout and he's just like, he's like, that was amazing. And he's like all fired up and like, you know, he's a guy that maybe doesn't necessarily watch a lot of pro wrestling, but it was just like it resonated with him. And then I saw Chris Masters and Chris Masters looks at me and goes, did you just hear what Punk said? And I was like, Chris, it's me. And he was like, oh, oh, it is you. He's like, you're going to get fired, dude. And then I just like walked up and like, it was a weird scene. I didn't know it was going to become as big as it did, but I I knew just based off those reactions, I I knew, I knew we had something.
2: Was there any sort of reaction backstage that you weren't expecting from someone?
1: No, I don't think so. I think everybody back there has game faces on, you know, and they want to know sell stuff. Just be like, yeah, but I had texts from some pretty lofty people in the business that I I looked up to and respected. So I, I knew I, I knew I did some,
0: Some good television Let's just say that You would have had one for me Had I known your number At that time But but it was like Whoa Brother Anyway I I use the word History way too much But historic stuff It really was We're, We're talking with CM Punk And we have fan questions For CM Punk Here on Unrestricted
2: This is AEW Unrestricted Tony and Aubrey here With the wonderful And amazing CM Punk Got some fan questions. I always ask for fan questions and I'm like, okay, let's see how many we get. And honestly, like I had to mute the thread. There were just so many. And oh man. We're gonna we're gonna run out of time on this podcast before we get through all of them. But
1: we'll do we'll have we'll do we'll do another one. I, I promise. I'll come back. We'll have to.
2: It's just absolutely incredible and just seeing like even the number of questions to see that is just a that itself is another indication of the impact you've had on the industry. So thank you. First question from Wyatt on Twitter. If you were to go for the AEW World Tag Team titles with someone, who would it be and why?
1: I I think there's a lot of good answers to that question, but selfishly, I want to tag with Brian Danielson. I don't know if anybody's ever spoken about this before, but before I left Ring of Honor for WWE, we were, what's next for CM Punk after the winning the title and all that stuff? And There was a thing that we were kicking around with maybe me and the old American Dragon tagging up and just black boots, black trunks, and just kind of like a Bockwinkle Stevens for like a new era. And of course, we were both like, yeah, that sounds like something we could really sink our teeth into. So I still think there's potential to do that.
0: (laughs) Sounds pretty damn good to me. BJB says on Twitter, Has security talked to you about jumping into the crowd? I laugh as I see security guys trying to fish you back out with some of their stressed out look on their faces. Yeah, they've they've talked to me about it. It's like they lean towards trying to tell me
1: not to do it. Right. But they're also kind of like, is this going to be a thing? (laughs) Like, can we maybe not? And and I go, guys, I I really, I don't know. I just go out there. The last time I did it in New Jersey, there was a dude who was just like, I'm going to catch you. And I was like, okay, that's good to know. So I did it. It's all spur of the moment. It
0: really is. Honestly, I get it. It's great stuff. You got to keep doing it, buddy. (laughs) Don't put any pressure on me, Tony. Don't put any pressure on me. Got to do it every time. Every time. Jump from one side of the ramp, they fish out and jump to the other.
2: The crowd surf is going to end up being like, that section of tickets is going to sell first at every show, just in case.
1: (laughs) Well, let's get some three hundred and fifty pounders in there so they, you know, properly <laughs> yeah. catch me. I don't want to hurt nobody. Yeah, absolutely.
2: We'll just put like a little checkbox on the Ticketmaster say, where it's like, can you catch CM Punk? Okay, now you yes. can buy this ticket.
1: You get it. You get a discount if you buy those tickets if you're of a certain weight. I love it. We'll give a pre-sale code out. That'll be for specifically for that
2: at Dale Varley Jr. Uh, what's your favorite acting moment? I really enjoyed CM Punk in The Girl on the Third Floor, your small part in Jacob's Wife, and your recent spot on Heels.
1: Ooh, God. Um, my favorite acting moment. I've worked with a lot of cool people, and like that's just kind of the idea behind doing certain projects is I do stuff with people that I know and people I like. So Travis Stevens, the writer and director of Girl on the Third Floor and Jacob's Wife. I've done some work with the Saska Twins. Obviously, it's like all horror and then, of course, I, I, I've recently done the heels thing. I have favorite moments from like all of those movies. If I had to pick one, far and away, it was probably just being the lead in a horror movie, from "Girl on the Third Floor," and working with Travis Stevens, who I think is just like uber talented, and he's a friend now. So it was like it's it's cool to get to do things professionally that also personally are very re- rewarding, you know, and just that whole experience is amazing.
0: At Eddie wants to know, he says, first of all, we can tell that CM Punk is a big fan of metal slash punk slash rock. What are you currently listening to? And do you attend many concerts?
1: I don't go to many. Well, I mean, eh. I'm like the, the old punk rock guy now. So like if my friends are in town and they're playing, I'll go see them. I think myself and everybody who's worth their salt right now is listening to Amel and the Sniffers, I think, is like the new cool thing. Australian punk band, amazing. Aubrey, I want you to, to go on Apple Music and listen to it immediately and then give me your thoughts when I see you on Wednesday.
2: Okay. Speaking of music, Sabrius on Twitter asks, cult of personality, as we talked about, has sort of become synonymous with you over the past decade. Mm-hmm. If that wasn't your song choice, what
1: would be your song choice? I really, I really don't know. I've gotten pressure from uh, my friend, Lars Fredrickson to use rancid before. I just think he wants the payday, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of great rancid tunes, you know, and and we have Ruby Soho who's now using Ruby Soho. So you cannot beat that. (laughs) I don't know. I would, I would honestly change it probably every week. If I could, I, I love cult of personality and that's number one, but if that wasn't a possibility, I, I would love to just be able to change it, use whatever song I was listening to that day that got me through a workout or something like that.
0: At Carissa Lopez wants to know, aside from the incredible talent here in AEW, have you ever thought about wrestling people from New Japan, pro wrestling? And if so, obviously we're bringing in some talent there. Uh, who is someone from New Japan that you would love to get in the ring with?
1: I think there's a lot of people in AEW that would be you know first in line obviously right but there's guys that i feel like are like measuring sticks right i'm going to get into the ring with kenny omega one of these days yes. find out what he's about you know obviously kenny had these great matches with okada i think okada is that measuring stick for new japan pro wrestling i also think tanahashi those are probably like the two big names. And then there's young William Ospreay. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many guys it's, it's almost unfair to talk about them before I talk about all the AEW talent. There's just so many options. There's a lot of options and it's exciting. The Forbidden door sounds corny to me. Like I always think it's, it's funny when people are like the forbidden door and I'm like, all right, I get it. But it's a real thing. I look at a guy like, um, like Moxley and I tell him every week I see him, I go, man, I, it's not jealousy, it's envy, yeah. which might be equally as bad. But I'm like, bro, you get to work Suzuki. I mean, come on, that dude's a legend. Like, So he's having the time of his life and it, and it looks like fun. I, I would like to get a taste of that.
2: Got a question from Guy Walks Into a Bar. I would like to know what CM Punk's favorite horror film is. Separately, I'd like to know his favorite horror franchise and horror icon, like Jason or Freddy, Leatherface, Myers, et cetera.
1: Number one with a bullet is 1978 Halloween. For obvious reasons, uh, John Carpenter is a master of horror. I think maybe a close second would be his uh, remake of The Thing. As far as franchises go, just for the dumb fun of everything, I would say Friday the 13th because they're classic, and that's what I grew up on, and the, the lore of Jason Voorhees and like how silly it gets and the supernaturalness of it, and then they put him in outer space. That's
0: just classic. Uh, Mohamed Surti, at, that's at Mohammed Surti, would like to know, given that Sam Punk has previously written for Thor for Marvel Comics, has he ever uh, investigated writing, creating his own original superhero villain for the Marvel 616 universe? Oh, wow. Marvel has
1: never asked me to like do anything like creator owned. Yeah. But I have had other companies. There's a standing open offer that I can do creator owned books. I just don't especially now I don't have the time. Yeah. But That's it's a... always in the back of my head. Writing Drax and Thor and I did a Shang-Chi one-shot and now the Shang-Chi movie's out like it was fun, you know, but writing is like a different kind of pressure and I don't do well with deadlines. So <laughs> I'm positive I will do more and I'll get back to it. But right now it's a little busy. I have, a, I have more than one job now and it's, it's tough. Got you.
2: Got a question from Devin Dowling.
1: Which tattoo means the most to you? Probably one that I haven't gotten yet. I'm slated to get a Larry tattoo. You don't already have a Larry tattoo. I don't. I don't have one yet. No, I've been talking about it for a few years. I don't know. I got, so uh, this is a bowl of ramen. That means a lot because I love ramen. And then I got
0: that, the billy goat for the, the cubs. <laughs> <laughs> Let me say this, if I can interject here, that I'm getting my first tattoo on the 27th of September. What? And it's my dog, too. Hell yes. Hell yes. I can't wait to see that. I cannot wait to see that. Yeah. I feel
2: like I got to get a pet tattoo. Jeez.
0: You do. Okay. Dustin H, 88 miles per hour, Dustin H, 88 MPH. What became your creative outlet while you were away from the ring? I think we talked about writing already.
1: Man, I just think, honestly, I just think living life. My creative outlet was, was going to hockey games, and anytime time I would find myself doing something fun with friends, and it would dawn on me that I would not be here right now if I was still on the road. Right. It was just like freedom i mean jujitsu and striking there's a lot of creativity that can go into that and that was fun because man I, you got to be like in love with not knowing stuff and you want to learn thankfully i chose disciplines that, where you're you're never you're never going to know everything there's always time to learn and it's not about crushing somebody or like being the best it's about being better than you were the day before that training for mma was a creative outlet I've gotten to do a lot of ton of cool stuff. You know, acting for TV and movies is for sure a creative outlet. Being able to work with writers and directors that are secure enough in their material that they can let you be fluid with stuff to know when to pull you back when you go too far, but to also want your input and for you to be able to create their characters in a way that you see fit. Tremendous creative outlet. Just being able to do so many different things that I just... Hey, that looks like fun. Let's do it. I'll draw the analogy of like life's like in an amusement park. and You walk in and you're like, hell yeah, Haunted Mansion. That looks fun. I'm going to go do that. And you get out of the Haunted Mansion and you go, oh, wow, look at that crazy roller coaster that looks a little bit terrifying and I'm afraid of roller coasters. I'm going to go do that. And then you're like, churros. Yeah, I'm going to go eat that churro. You know, it's just like... That's what it's about. It's not about going and doing the one ride over and over and over. It's about experiencing the whole park and, and, and everything. So, you know, to me, that's what life's about. It's about being creative with every opportunity you're given.
0: One final thing before we wrap up, and we, we really appreciate your time. You really do. Antonio Rivera wants to know, what's your Chicago pizza spot?
1: Yes. My answer to this is if you are in Chicago and you have time to wait, because there's always a wait. You go to Pequod's. Yes! Pequod's will give you the option of you can do the deep dish for tourists. (laughs) They have thin crust. And then they have a pan pizza, which is, in my opinion, the way to go. Because it's in between thin and deep. And they have this caramelized crust. And they use these cast iron skillets. And it's awesome. When me and April are like, let's get a pizza, it's Lou Malnati's. They have delicious sauce. It's never like a super long wait unless you're like crazy and you're trying to order it at like nine o'clock on a Saturday night. But those are those are the go-tos for me. And those are very high quality, high standard pizza operations.
2: I feel so good because the first time I ever went to Chicago, I asked my buddies, I want to have pizza, what's the best place to go? And we went to Pequod's. So I feel like I was introduced to Chicago.
1: In the best way possible. The right way. Yeah, absolutely. You, you did it the right way, Aubrey. Yes.
2: Speaking of food, there's one question I want to ask. Brendan on Twitter asks, what are your thoughts on Pepsi mango?
1: Pepsi mango. Apparently Pepsi has a mango now. I'm going to break a lot of hearts here. I don't drink soda. <gasps> yeah, I, I can't even tell you the last time I, I drank a soda. Um, I'm that healthy dude. Free shout out to Spindrift. I'm not sponsored or anything. They, they occasionally send me free stuff. But Spindrift is what I drink. I drink water and I drink Spindrift. Spindrift is just water flavored with fresh fruit. If you buy like a lemon Spindrift, the ingredients are lemon and water. No artificial flavors, no preservatives, nothing that's going to make you taste like you're drinking medicine. It's just fruit water. And it's
0: delicious and fizzy. I'm have to check that out. Yeah. Let me hide my second monster for the day. (laughs) I'm fixing to head to the airport in like
1: an hour or so. And I can't wait to get there so I can drink more coffee. Oh,
0: yes. Well, let's say, I want to say this for a wrap up, that my return to wrestling uh, has been exciting. But the most exciting part of me coming back to wrestling has been able to work with you, man. It's been fabulous. It really has. The best is yet to come, dude best is yet to come. I agree. You talk about
1: legendary runs and, and doing the legendary fun stuff. Like we haven't even started yet guys. I promise. I promise you. It's going to be fun. This has
2: just been absolutely unreal. I've told you punk that like, you're the reason I got into wrestling. So
1: still processing that I'm still processing that. Yeah.
2: It's weird. I, I didn't watch as a kid. So, you know, the timing of it all worked out, but uh, yeah, the fact that I get to work with you and I just put you in a video game that I make, like my, my life's kind of just like crazy and weird and wonderful right now. So thank you for making it crazy and weird and wonderful.
1: <laughs> Enjoy it. Enjoy it. I'm glad I
2: could help. Oh, man. Thank you for being here. Uh, you can follow CM Punk on Instagram and Twitter at CM Punk. And you can listen to this podcast every Thursday on all of your favorite podcast platforms. And the video episode of this will be out uh, Mondays. As our video episodes drop, just search for AEW Unrestricted on YouTube.
0: Don't forget AEW Elevation comes your way Monday nights. AEW Dark comes your way Tuesday. We've got uh, Dynamite on TNT at 8 o'clock, 7 central. On Wednesday nights, Friday nights, it's Rampage at uh, 10 o'clock, 9 central.
2: We are everywhere. I'm uh I'm Aubrey Edwards, and this is Tony Schiavone, here with CM Punk. Thank you so much for listening to AEW Unrestricted.
1: Come
0: on, throw your hands up, let me see you. Unrestricted, got the house now. We gon' turn it up, up, bring the house down. Got that big space, pump and make them bounce now. Flossing like they bossin' and the freaks are coming out now. Uh, unrestricted. Uh, un- unrestricted.